Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? It is Zane Ackie back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle podcast sponsored by TheQBSneak.com. For accurate predictions on every NFL matchup and thought-provoking NFL content that can help your fantasy teams or confidence pools, head to TheQBSneak.com. And unfortunately, Levin is out this week. He's battling injuries. He's he's on the, the injured list for one week. But man, have we got a great replacement for you guys and well, not a replacement, but in addition to our team, I'm so thrilled to introduce Rob stats. Guerrero, Rob, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you for joining the team. It feels so good to have you here, man. Oh, it is going to be so much fun. Thank you for adding me. I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of the team and no better time to join right now. The 49ers three and O they are three and O and they're in first place. They've been in first place for a couple of weeks now. We've had some time to let this marinate and some time to think about the possibilities of the playoffs and how, how far this team can go. And we knew that they were going to remain in first place despite the bye, even with that Thursday night game, which was a great game, by the way. I'm not a huge Seahawks fan, but the way that those two teams went back and forth, I mean, there was so much stuff put on tape for the Niners to, pl- to, to see. They play them four times in the next uh, in the next. Uh, 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 12 games, right? So basically like a 30 year schedule is these two teams. And I think that they really, really put some stuff on tape for these guys to see, didn't they? Oh, it was an incredible game. And I got the impression I walked away thinking the Rams are the better team, even though they didn't win. I think the Rams are the better team. Mm-hmm. I look at Seattle and I say their defense does not scare me at all. And their offense is basically just Russell Wilson making things happen. And I don't trust Pete Carroll with some of his game management decisions. I walked away thinking the Rams are the much better team than the Seahawks, and that's the team the Niners have to be worried about. Yeah, Pete Carroll, he made a lot. It, it seems like as the years go by, he starts making more and more of these questionable decisions. And I think that he's earned enough of that credibility to not be questioned. I'm taking off my 49ers glasses here and trying to analyze this unbiased, which is very hard for me when it comes to the Seahawks. But I'm trying to really break this down and and what he did before the half to try and kick a field goal instead of going for a touchdown when you knew the Rams were getting the ball back in the second half that really let the Rams kind of hang around didn't it that was kind of the the a turning point in the game that really you know you should have been able to put the game away here but the Rams go down and score before the half and then go again and score after the half it's kind of like, kind of like a two for one in basketball right Oh, I completely agree. He com- they were dominating the game to that point. He left the door wide open for the Rams, and they took advantage. Like you said, they scored the two touchdowns, but no one's really going to talk about that because they won, and the Seahawks are 27-5-1 in primetime under Pete Carroll. And so, you know, everybody just kind of forgets about it. John Madden used to say winning is the ultimate deodorant. Well, in this case, it's kind of true. No one's going to remember that Pete Carroll kind of made some crazy decisions that I mean, if, if Greg Zerline makes a 44-yard field goal, ultimately would have cost his team the win. Not only that, if they had actually not gone for two, if they just kicked the extra point instead of going for two, at the end of the game, it's, it's tied, right? They're not down by a point. They're not chasing that point the entire game. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of things happen in that game to kind of swing it, like Sean McVay foolishly going for two and Pete Carroll's foolish management of the game at the end of the half. But all in all, like you usually don't get really good Thursday night games, right? And we were treated to one on Thursday night. Finally, it was one. Actually, the last couple Thursday nights have been pretty good. So I I have a feeling that you'll see more of these better matchups on Thursday night. As much as I dislike the Seahawks, for prime time, they're great because their games are always good. There's always some sort of big play or controversy or some sort of thing that we're talking about the next day. Like right now we're talking about, well, there's two things we're talking about. We're talking about Russell Wilson and talking about the Greg Zerline missed field goal. Like it seems like every time they play in primetime, something crazy happens. I don't think they have a horseshoe buried underneath their field, or I don't know what it is, but there's something crazy that happens. A bad bounce, a bad call, the other team messing up. It just ends in a crazy way, right? Or am I crazy thinking that? No, it's incredible. I mean, especially when they're at home at primetime. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at the fail Mary play. That was the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen. And my lasting image of that game is the referees announcing that it's a touchdown and Pete Carroll jumping around on the sideline. Like no matter what happens for the Seahawks at home in primetime, it always goes their way. And it drives me crazy. 
Yep. And then you had the Bobby Wagner block field goal against Minnesota, which should not have been, should have been a penalty. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? Like it just seems like they pull these games out. And the reason, so I'm with you. I'm not really scared of the Seahawks. I'm not really scared of that defense because as we saw in the Super Bowl, defense, your defense has to travel in the playoffs. The Patriots were able to do what they did. And I'm not comparing the Niners to the Patriots. I'm saying in a general thought, the Patriots were able to do what they did with their defense, right? People forget how dominant that defense was last year. And they shut down the Chiefs for most of that game, enough time to basically get the lead and, and kind of stick around and, and, and make that basically eke out a win. And in the, in the Super Bowl, they completely shut down the Rams offense and really, and really what was a defensive battle. So defense travels, offenses get shut down. That's kind of how it is. The old adage, I don't want to be cliche, but defense wins championships, right? Yeah. And, and that's what has me so confident about this year's 49er team, because I think their defense is for real. I think their defense is something that's going to cause teams problems all year long. And just look at the evidence we've seen, right? It's, it's very funny to me how people look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now who just dropped 55 points on the Rams in week four. And they say, Hey, you know, the, the Buccaneers, maybe they're better than we thought. They're pretty good, but they weren't saying that after the 49ers game, were they? Cause the 49ers mm-hmm. defense did its job. People, what are they saying about the Steelers now? Oh, you know, if the Steelers win this week, they could get right back in the AFC North race. Maybe maybe they're not dead yet. They weren't saying that after the 49ers game, were they? No, and I think it's because the 49ers defense makes teams look worse than they are. And when I look down at the injury report and see that Nick Bosa is not on it anymore, I'm encouraged. Yeah, that has to be a huge thing. Although D Ford, who's the other bookend, I mean, D Ford is not practicing. I think that... He's probably going to go down a one day a week, most likely for the rest of the year, which is crazy to think because there's so much time left, 13 weeks left in the season. And he's already going down to, to one day a week and, and hoping that knee holds up. But Nick Bosa, I'm, I'm so thrilled with his development. I'm so thrilled with that pass rush because it changes everything. Being able to get there with four enables you to do so much on the, on the backside of the defense. And I kind of touched on this last week too. But being able to dominate with the pass rush like that, it keeps guys like Russell Wilson from running around in circles and making plays. And it really limits those off-schedule plays because they don't have time to throw. They don't have time to read the field or read coverages. So I, I think that when you have a defense like that, and, and the Niners' defensive line is, is unique. If you look at the front four, they've got first-round picks all up and down that defensive line. And, and they're strong, and they're big, and they're fast. That's the biggest thing about this defense this year is that they're faster than in years past. And I think that you're seeing them kind of come together uh, and, and play a brand of ball that we kind of really haven't seen, honestly, since Vic Fangio was running that defense in the Harbaugh days. So when it comes down to it, like you, you have to think that you're in every game when you have an elite defense. And I do consider them an elite defense. And when it comes to going to places like Seattle or playing a playoff game in a hostile environment, or having to say, oh, we need one win to get into the playoffs at the end of the year. Would you have that defense in your back pocket as a card you can play? It sets you apart from everybody. It, it means that you can play a card that not everybody has. Like you mentioned Seattle's defense. Like they're giving up points like crazy. They gave, you know, they gave up 29 points last night. They gave up 33 to the Saints. They gave up 26 to the, the Steelers. They're absolutely just, shedding like just hemorrhaging points right now and we haven't seen that in years from seattle we're not used to that so that's not going to take them very far i'm not scared of them and to to talk about the rams earlier like your thought on the rams like they can't stop anybody either so you have a leg up on both of these teams you have an opportunity to go into monday night win that game and come out four and no with a half game lead on seattle maintain the half game lead on seattle but really putting the pressure on the Rams, like you're not going to eliminate both of these teams at once, right? You, you're going to basically one at a time have to take care of them. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy, but I think everything you said is accurate. They, they have the talent to do it. And, you know, I kind of got an inkling of that. Before the year started, Kyle Shanahan basically said, this is the first year since I've been here where we have enough talent on the roster to where we can survive if we have some injuries. And, you know, in, in the NFL, when coaches don't say anything about how strong they think their teams are, for him to come out publicly and say that, it really surprised me. And it really said to me that he's confident that he thinks that this is the most talented 49ers roster that he's had. And I think he's right. And so far, that's what we've seen. 
Oh, without question. This, this is absolutely the most talented roster, not only that he's had, but the most talented 49ers roster since 2014, which was Jim Harbaugh's last year. There's no doubt. And that being said, like there's guys, there's guys getting hurt and there's rumors of Jalen Ramsey and Stefan Diggs. And I know, I know you had, you had a little bit to say on that too, right? Oh, I mean, it's funny. Anytime anyone's available, of course, my first thought is, well, you know, he might look good in the 49ers uniform. <laughs> and I, I would love to see Stefan Diggs with the Niners. I, I, my first thought was Marquise Goodwin and, you know, a fifth round pick or, or maybe a fourth round pick. I would love to see that happen. I don't think that Minnesota wants to trade him. Uh, but man, I just think that would be such a good addition to the 49ers team. I think Diggs can work down the field outside the numbers, but he can also work inside the numbers over the middle. I just think that he'd be a perfect complement in the Kyle Shanahan offense. But I also think that John Lynch and Kyle are kind of happy with the guys that they have. I think they're going to go status quo. What do you think? I think the latter is most likely true, where they're happy with the guys that they have. And not necessarily because they don't want to add anybody, but because they're kind of running into the situation where now like Parag was manipulating the cap and he was trying to push contracts down the line and push him and push him and push him so that the last few years would be basically one, one year deals, a series of one year deals. So we're coming to the point where a lot of those contracts are coming up, right. With like Armstead and Buckner needs a deal. And um, you're in the second year of Jimmy and, and all these deals that they basically have done in years past and need to do that are factoring into these decisions. So I think it's more of that sort of thing where you're having, he just Stefan Diggs, which is, it's kind of funny to me. It's Stefan Diggs is wanting uh, out. I'm not necessarily wanting out of Minnesota, but it's disgruntled in Minnesota. He just signed that five year, $75 million deal last year. Mm -hmm. And it's like year one of that deal. You're like, uh, you know what? I I don't want to be here. Right. Like, I don't want to do this. So it's just kind of interesting to me that, that, he hits a little bit of adversity and and wants out. And that's that's kind of a red flag to me, right? I think Stefan Diggs is a fantastic player. I think he's a great player. And I think he's just scratching the surface of his talent. I think Thielen and Diggs are two of the most underrated receivers in football. But when it comes to the attitude of, and I, and I say this about Jalen Ramsey too, where you hit a little bit of adversity and you're like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. The question I have actually for you and, and for everybody else is, do you want some guy like that in your locker room where a little bit of adversity hits and like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm into this because the Niners seem to have a really tight knit locker room. It's a really tight knit group. They're kind of growing together. They're kind of shedding that loser label. And if you want to think of like a plant, they're sprouting, they're sprouting branches and, and they're with each and every passing week, they're learning more about themselves. And if you throw somebody into there, who's kind of like, I don't know, I don't want to call these guys malcontents because we don't know the situation that they're in behind the scenes. But when you throw somebody like that into the equation, like you kind of disturb the chemistry, don't you? I think you can. I think it depends on a couple of things. I think it depends on one, how disruptive the person is. And two, what kind of situation you're bringing them into, right? Like if the 49ers were going to go, get an Antonio Brown, then I feel like you really have to worry because he's so disruptive. You know, Mm -hmm. he's so basically just unpredictable. Then you would have to worry about that. But when I look at Jalen, when I look at uh, Stefan Diggs or even Jalen Ramsey, to be honest with you, I don't see them as being so disruptive that it, that it would interfere with what they have going on because you're right. The 49ers locker room is very tight knit and it's kind of surprising because you usually don't see that kind of culture from a team that has won as few games as the 49ers have won in the Kyle Shanahan era. That was something that was really encouraging to me was that, you know, you could see even when they, when CJ Beathard won that Giants game, the team was going nuts. They were celebrating like mm-hmm. it was the Super Bowl. And that's mm-hmm. to me a credit to Kyle Shanahan, the kind of culture and the kind of camaraderie that he's built with that team. And I, I think that they'd be able to handle it if they brought in maybe Stefan Diggs, you know, a guy who's a little unhappy, but who ultimately I think would be in line and be much happier in San Francisco. Yeah, maybe I'm just kind of conservative about that because they're finally winning. I'm like, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I mean, obviously, they, there's an issue there at wide receiver. They don't have a number one guy. And there'll come a time where teams will start shutting down Kittle later on in the season when there's enough tape on the 49ers offense. that They'll start taking things away and you have to have a go-to guy, whether that's Debo, whether he emerges or whether Pettis can play better or one of the other guys like Bourne really hasn't distinguished himself. They just re-signed Jordan Matthews after putting Jalen Hurd on IR. 
which I'm super disappointed about, by the way. I, I, oh, I, really, I know. Yeah, I just had really high high hopes for Jalen Hurd, right? He just he looked really good in preseason, and he may, he's going to come back most likely later on in the season. Him and Jason Verrett uh, went on IR. Speaking of Jason Verrett, are you surprised at all that Jason Verrett went on IR? Like, this guy's always hurt, and then he's on <laughs> IR again. Like, are you at all surprised by that? No, and then to be honest, uh, that was my feeling going into the season was, hey, it'd be great if this guy can, you know, come back and bounce back. But just given his history, you have to assume that he wasn't going to last the whole year. And, and anything that you got from him was sort of the cherry on top. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's sad to see, but not unexpected that, hey, Jason Verrett hurt again. And they re-signed Dante Johnson, who has been with the Seahawks and the Niners twice. And I guess this is the third time he's with the Niners. He was in camp this uh, past training camp. but. Emmanuel Mosley is getting a start, and I think that Jimmy Ward is also possibly going to be active. Uh, this week he was practicing, and he looks like he's healthy. So really, there's a lot of options. I think that what, what they saw last week with Verrett, that he got burned, and like, oh, crap, we have to get him off the field. They put Mosley out there, <laughs> and they're like, if Mosley's out there and gets burned, they're going to be like, okay, well, Dante Johnson or Ward. So I think that they're kind of hedging all their bets here by bringing all these guys in and and there's a rumor that Ward may start for Tarverius Moore, which I don't think is going to be the case because Moore has struggled. And I do want to see what Ward can do at the free safety position because I think he's better there. But there's just so much, there's so much turnover in the secondary right now in this, the spot opposite Richard Sherman that really we, we don't really know what to expect from there. And I think that when it comes to what they're going to face with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Like it's going to be a huge challenge. It's going to be the biggest challenge that they faced all season. Yeah. I really, really wish like that, that the Niners were playing Washington this week instead of Cleveland. Like that would have been a nice soft landing for them to break in all these new guys in the secondary. And like you said, instead they got to go against Odell Beckham jr. And, and all the talented players that the Browns have, but, um, it, it, we talked about it before. It's the D-line, right? If the 49ers D-line can get enough pressure on Baker Mayfield, we've seen him be a little panicky in the pocket this year, a little kind of unsettled, let's say, with pressure in his face. And that's going to be the, their path to victory because I do not think the secondary is going to be able to hold up against Odell Beckham Jr. if they can't rush Baker Mayfield. And that's where the Jalen Ramsey thought comes in, where if they trade for, did trade for Jalen Ramsey – he would be opposite Sherman and all of a sudden like you have two all pro elite corners, two guys that you can count on. And I think that the, the Niners, they don't, they don't really operate like that. I feel like the reason why they, if you want to rewind all the way back to the off season, the reason why they didn't really address the secondary, which was a need was because they felt like the pass rush would be able to get there. The front seven would be strong enough where they could actually get enough pressure without having to sacrifice any corner play with the guys that they had. So I, to me, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I'm like, look, I have to be realistic here. I don't, we don't know what Emmanuel Mosley is going to do. We don't know how he's going to perform. It's Monday night. He's going to be covering one of Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry or both at some points in time, right? Switching off. So that being said, like that is as tough of an uh, assignment that you can get for your first start. And I'm expecting that, yeah, he's going to get burned a couple of times, but you have to understand that this is part of the growth of the team as well. Akilla Weatherspoon is not coming back for another few weeks. They need to find out what they have in that corner spot opposite Sherman. Like we know Richard Sherman is going to shut down his side. I think what they're going to do, honestly, what they're going to do is probably going to be put to put Sherman on Beckham and just kind of follow him all game um, or leave Sherman on that side. And maybe he'll get Antonio Callaway, who's also returning from injury um, or sorry, suspension. Cause he was an idiot. He got suspended. Uh, <laughs> He's returning from his suspension in this game. So really what you're going to have is Sherman on one of those three guys. And to me, what I would do is is probably either put Sherman shadowing Landry all game, but Landry works from the slot, so that wouldn't work, um, or works from the slot quite a bit, so that wouldn't work. Or I would have him just like stay outside, shadow Beckham, um, and you have Landry basically bracketed by a linebacker in a corner inside or the the safety, whoever they, they put inside, whether it's Tart or Tarverius Moore, sometimes they switch, um, kind of have bracket coverage with them uh, getting Landry inside. But it's to me, it's just it's such a it's such a hard ask. It really, it's I, I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, oh, it's it's an incredible ask, and I think one of the things I think that the 49ers are hoping is that the offense can score enough points to make 
to make it difficult and maybe make the Browns a little one-dimensional because I think Kyle Shanahan has to look at it like, hey, we're built to get a lead and then have those pass rushers just go, you know, pin their ears back and go eat. That's, I think, the ideal game script for Kyle Shanahan. We get up, we get up early, and we force the Browns to have to continually pass because then they're going to the strength of our team, which is the pass rush. Yep. I think what you're going to see the Browns come out and do initially is a lot of quick, short hitting passes, bubble screens, quick slants, all that sort of stuff, because they want to neutralize that pass rush. The longer Baker Mayfield holds the ball in his hands, the worse it is for them, right? A lot of one read stuff. Yeah, like a lot of one read stuff, a lot of stuff to Jarvis Landry, their quick hitting stuff. Like, I think that that's what you're going to see, because not only does it neutralize the pass rush, it also gives your QB confidence, because you know, like I say, the old the old saying in the NBA that you just want to see the ball go through the hoop. Like that's why when a foul is called, they'll still shoot it um, and try to try to make the shot because they need to see it physically go through the hoop for their own psychological um, benefit. I think that that's what it is. The, the same thing holds true for NFL quarterbacks, right? When they start completing passes, whether they're short or long, that confidence starts to grow, and and they'll probably have Baker Mayfield give them some easy throws, swing passes, passes to the running backs, passes basically play, have him play within a 10 yard box and try to get that confidence up because he's one of those guys that stats like, and, and, and it's funny because your nickname is stats and I'm going to throw a stat at you that you most likely know, but uh, our, our listeners may not nobody since week 11 last year, nobody has turned the ball over more than Baker Mayfield. He's number one in the league. Wow. In so you have to take advantage of him. He's going to, he's going to give your ball, your team, the ball. You just have to catch it. That's really what it comes down to. And I, I don't know that the 49ers are over their own turnover issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you can't turn the ball over five times against the Browns and expect to win like they did against Pittsburgh. So I hope that the defense can corral a couple of those because I think they're going to need them, mm-hmm. um, especially if, like you said, if Baker gets his confidence early and, and you know, they sort of get things rolling, you can, you can change the tide of a game with just one or two plays. And one or two, I mean... <laughs> The 49ers game, honestly, against the Steelers, I thought it was pretty close to loss before Armstead forced that fumble. Right. And I think the Niners are going to have to do that against Baker. I did not know that turnover stat. That is an, I might have to steal that for the show. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty good. Go for it. Absolutely, man. I, I have no problems with that. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny. You, you learn, you know, that, that, uh, old thing, like the more, you know, the rainbow with the star and all that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's kind of like how it is. Right. Um, but, when it comes to the effectiveness of the offense, I, I really think that you're going to live and die by the run. And they're number one in rushing attempts this year as of, well, before the bye week. Uh, I'm sure that changed after the bye week. But the Niners offense is predicated off of the run because Jimmy is so good from the play action, um, like running play action. So I think that you're going to see a lot of like three yards in a cloud of dust. They're going to really try to establish the run. They're going to run at Miles Garrett, who right now, in my opinion, is the is the defensive MVP of the league right now. Like, there's wow. nobody better than Miles Garrett. Like he, uh, right there, like Shaq Barrett. Obviously, he gets all the attention because he's been doing crazy things. But Miles Garrett's right right there behind him, and he's basically like a one man wrecking crew. And I think that with Justin School being on the outside, second start rookie. That's a huge undertaking for him to have to take take on blocking Miles Garrett. And the way that you neutralize a fierce pass rush is you, A, have blitz-beating passes, like short dump-offs to the back, screen passes, things like that. And B, you have, you, you have to be able to run the ball. And you have to be able to run it at the guys that rush the passer. Because Miles, Miles Garrett doesn't want to play the run. He just wants to pin his ears back. So I can guarantee you that they're going to double him. They're going to run at him. They're going to try to get him tired and frustrated so that later on in the game, what's going to happen is that he's going to be tired and they're going to be able to run the ball with more success, right? You may see a lot of one, two yard runs at the beginning of the game, just because they're trying to establish that. I don't think they're going to have Jimmy get out there and sling it. I really don't think that frankly, he's there yet where you can really just be like, all right, I want you to go out and throw it 50 times a game. That's not, that's not how they win. Jimmy is best when you have him operating within the system and playing within that 15 yard box where guys are going underneath crossing routes, misdirection, all that stuff where you can rely on his accuracy, having him throw 30 to 35 times max. If he's throwing 40 times, the Niners are probably not winning the game. So you have to keep the game from getting away from you. And the way that they're going to do that is by establishing the run. 
Yeah, I think I, I totally agree with you. The offense flows through the run game. You, they're going to run it, Garrett. I think you probably see some screens his way too. You know, let him get up the field a little bit, then throw it over his head, whether it's a, a dump off to Brito, or even they, they do that tight end screen to Kittle sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think you might see that too. I, I, I agree though. Establish the run. Even if it's not working early, you have to stick with it. And I don't know how you feel about this, but in a close game, who do you trust more? Do you trust Jimmy or do you trust Baker Mayfield? Because I trust Jimmy more in a close game. It's funny. The the local radio stations all week have been posing this question. They're like, if your life was on the line, which quarterback would you take? They're making all dramatic and stuff. It's like, okay, if I put my life on the line betting on the Cleveland Browns, and I clearly <laughs> screwed up, right? That's At some true. point, I, I clearly screwed up in my life. But that being said, like they said, oh, who would you trust with your life on the line? Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. And some people were actually picking Baker Mayfield. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's fine because the, the Baker hype, right? All off season, so much hype. They're like, oh, we got OD, OBJ and Jarvis Landry is coming back. And we got you know, Nick Chubb. And what's, by the way, what's the over under that people will call him Bradley Chubb and not Nick Chubb this week? I mean, I've heard it so many times. Hopefully yeah, you haven't done it on your show yet, but I mean, like I've heard it so many times from so many other shows, but I'll go two and a half over under two and a half. All right. All right. But I digress. So what it comes down to is Jimmy wins games. That's what he does. The Niners play better when he's on the field and the people that are stat watching and box score watching and fantasy football watching don't see that because they don't watch the games. When you see the types of throws that Jimmy made, there was one throw specifically that I put, that I put out on Twitter last week where Minka Fitzpatrick was coming unblocked and just staring Jimmy right in the face. And Jimmy took a shot, delivered it on the money to Marquise Goodwin for a first down, like coming over the middle in a crossing pattern. It was an elite throw. And I'm like, how many quarterbacks stand in there and make that throw? How many guys can do that? And really the list is pretty short. When you look at those, those throws, yeah, he has a couple of throws where it's like, oh, what are you doing, Jimmy, a game? But like he has more of those throws where it's like, wow, I can't believe he just fit in there. The pass to Pettis being one of those. There's two defenders right there, and I thought it was picked, and he fit it into such a tight window where Dante Pettis was able to get that. And that's the difference between Jimmy and other quarterbacks is that he may not put up the stats, and he may not have the flash that other guys do, but the guy just wins. 11-2 and two in his starts. What else do you want, right? Like, I mean, to me, the guys that, or the, the people that compare and complain about Jimmy Garoppolo it's like, what do you want? The guy's winning games. Like, how else, how else better can you judge a quarterback? Well, not only has he won, but look at how he's won. I mean, his first start against the Bears, they need to go down the field at the, and kick a field goal to win the game. Jimmy takes him down the field. Robbie Gold hits a last-second field goal. The mm-hmm. game against the Titans where they had that awesome uh, – where everybody was mic'd up and they had that turning point where you got to see him sort of explain things to Trent Taylor and, and ask about the calls and ask Robbie Gold how far he needed to get to make the game-winning field goal. I mean, the Titans game, they drive down. They get the, the win there. I mean, he's won close games many times. So it's not just that he's winning. It's also how he's winning late in games that gives me confidence in him. And I believe I saw a stat that he's, the Niners score about 28 points per game in Jimmy Garoppolo's start. And the only teams that score as much or more than that is the Chiefs and the Patriots, I believe. So that's pretty damn good if you're Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a stats stat right there. I like that. I like that one a lot because it's pretty telling. It's telling the fact that you look at the way that all the other quarterbacks have performed that Kyle Shanahan has had. You look at the way that, well, there's three of them. Uh, It feels like there's a lot more, but there's three of them. There's uh, Hoyer, Mullins, and, and CJ in no particular order. And none of those guys have been able to extract as much out of this offense and this system as, uh, as Jimmy has. People will look at the interception numbers, half of which aren't even his fault this year. But they'll look at the inception numbers and be like, oh, he throws a pick a game. But it's like, you know what? When receivers are bobbling the ball and dropping the ball and tipping it into guys' hands, like that's not that's not on Jimmy, right? That's that's really on the receivers. So I'm not going to fault him for that. What you really look at on this tape is you look at the elite throws he's able to make, throwing guys open, standing in the pocket, moving the pocket when he has to. Guys, guys just don't like he's a special talent. People are really underrating how good he can be. And they say, oh, it's a small sample size. There's always some sort of complaint about him. Oh, it's a small sample size. Let him start 16 games. Oh, let him beat an actual uh, winning team. Oh, this. Oh, that. Like there's always an oh, but when it comes to Jimmy. At some point, he's going to be quarterbacking a playoff team in the playoffs, and there will be no more oh, buts. 
you're going to look at him and you're going to see him and you're going to be like, wow, I'm glad that he's the quarterback of our team. I'm glad that the Niners traded for him. I'm glad that we didn't give up on him when he was struggling in training camp and threw five picks in a practice that didn't even count. So when it comes down to it, like we have to remember that Jimmy is still a young quarterback. You have to treat him like a second year quarterback. He's only had less than a full season's worth of starts. Now, when the season is done, hopefully he's put together a good resume. Hopefully it's, it's a playoff run. Then we can be like, okay, I think we can work with what we have here, but really like we, we know what we have here to a certain extent and people need to stop denying what, what they see. I totally agree. I mean, look at it. This, would you feel better right now if the 49ers had Kirk cousins instead of Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, I sure God. as hell wouldn't. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause whenever, whenever uh, the something happens with the, Vi- the Vikings, I always think of Florio. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> closely. It's just, it's just funny. A poor guy's just like, he just wants them to win. Right. And like now they got Kirk cousins and, and Thielen is, is pissed off and Diggs wants out and like, man, poor Florio, this guy, just, just give him a quarterback. Right. Just give him somebody. <laughs> Well, that was his, his hot take was if the, if the Niners and Jimmy G struggled and Cousins struggled, then maybe they would just swap the two quarterbacks because Kyle Shanahan wanted Cousins all along. That was Florio's hot take. It's funny because I, cause I uh, retweeted that and I was like, come on. I was like, come on, man. Like, what is the speculation? And then he, and then he called me an idiot and then, and then I had to laugh about it. It was funny. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. But I look at even in the, in the NFC, the whole NFC right now, when I look at it, there's maybe, I want to say, three quarterbacks in the NFC right now that I would take over Jimmy Garoppolo. I would take Russell Wilson as much as I hate to admit it. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. I would take Aaron Rodgers, and I would take Carson Wentz. And that's it in the whole NFC. Those are the only guys I want over Jimmy G right now. Honestly. Not, no Drew Brees? No, Drew Brees, look, Drew Brees is ancient. All right? He, right. I don't want to see 40-year-old Drew Brees. His arm strength, you know, when they needed deep passes last year, they took him out of the game. They let Taysom Hill throw the ball deep, not Drew Brees. That's so true. not right now. That's true. And, and yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like we, we don't have a lot of other options when it comes to quarterback. It's like, okay, you don't like Jimmy. What's your other option? Mullins. Mullins is not going to make those throws. Like oh, Mullins is a great with Nick Mullins. Yeah. Mullins is a good, like he's a good quarterback. He's a very serviceable quarterback. And what he did last year was very impressive. But when, it, when you compare like the eye test to what Jimmy has done, and you break down film of them both, there's a clear difference. And you, when you see the way that they play, there's a clear difference in terms of the effect that they have on the team. So really, I, I, it's funny. I, see, I hear so many hot takes about Jimmy and, and how nobody knows what he is and he needs to beat somebody real and all these things. Now he's got an opportunity and it's a team game, right? So the Niners have an opportunity to really win one of these statement games, right? This is the first one of the season because We've been hearing it all season. Oh, the, the Buccaneers aren't that good. And in my mind, really, honestly, they are. Oh, the Steelers aren't that good. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, the Bengals aren't that good. But now you have the Browns, who was everybody's darling before the season. Baker Mayfield's everybody's darling. And, and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and all this talent. You have a chance on Monday night to make a statement in front of the entire nation Everybody's going to be watching. It's the last game of the week. I, I love Monday night personally, right? Because of that. And it's Jimmy Garoppolo's first Monday night game, first primetime game with the 49ers. And I'm so interested to see coming off of a bye week, an extra long week with that one day, uh, with the game being on Monday. I'm so intrigued and interested to see how they come out because if they come out flat again, like they did against Pittsburgh, they're going to have a really, really tough time beating the Browns. The Browns aren't an elite team. Like they're not. But they're much better than the Pittsburgh Steelers were. And the Niners came out flat against the Steelers, specifically on offense. You can't have a repeat performance of that. You have to come out crisp. And what I want to see is I want to see them string together some drives, get some points early. I want to see them manipulate the clock and manage the clock and really establish the run. It's very simple. Don't make any mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. Get points. Keep the game close. Even if you're losing, keep it close. Hang around. You're at home. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's done this before. He can lead you back. That's, that's really all I want out of the first half of this game. You know what I want to see? I want to see them go down the field, like you said, protect the ball first and foremost, but go down the field and don't get a field goal. Stick it in the end zone. That's my one frustration with Kyle Shanahan is, and I know that there's been injuries at quarterback and all those other things, but I want to see more success in the red zone. Drive down the field, and whether it's running the ball or Jimmy or Kittle, I don't care. Just stick it in and get seven right out of the gate and say, you know what? 
here we are. Everyone thinks we're, we're a fake 3-0. and We're a paper tiger. I don't know if you saw that meme going around. It was, it's a picture of three women, and two of the women look like models, and the third woman looks like you know just a regular person. And the two models, it says Chiefs and Patriots, and the third woman they label the 49ers. You know, like we're the redheaded stepchild. It's driving me nuts here. Go down the field, right out of the gate, put it in the end zone, and say, here we are. We're just as good. We're the best team in the NFC. Yeah, the Niners really have a chance to put themselves in a position to really make a run at the playoffs if they win this game. And there was a statistic that I heard today on the radio. It was on Damon Bruce's show. And the statistic was over the last 10 years, there have been 26 teams to start 4-0. 20 of those teams have made the playoffs. Now, you can count the Chiefs and the Patriots this year. They're also 4-0 as well. So we'll say... 22 out of 28 teams over the last 10 years have, have made the playoffs. I'm just going to say that the Chiefs and the Patriots are going to make the playoffs. It's not a stretch. No. So that's about three over three quarters of the teams that start 4-0 make the playoffs. And with every successive win, your percentage gets higher. I believe with 3-0, it was 72%. So what that means is that really you only have to go – you only have to have six more wins on your schedule, right, um, to be able to make it to 10-6. And when you put yourself in that position, when you put yourself in a position of like, okay, we got four already in the, in the bank, you enable yourself flexibility to lose a game here and there that you're not supposed to win anyways, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I look at that, that Baltimore and New Orleans back-to-back over the last six weeks of the season. I'm like, man, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to split that, let alone win both. So and you, got a, you got a game against Seattle at the end of the year. You got a game against Green Bay coming up. You've got all these tough games coming up where you will need to bank on the, these wins early on in the season. Now, the meteor schedule comes up, and you've got Carolina and Washington and a couple of softies there. You've got Arizona there as well, right? So you should be able to stack some wins if you play well. So when it comes to this week, they need to treat it like it's – Kyle Shanahan said they wanted to treat it like it's the last game of the season, and I agree with that. Take it week by week. This game is a must win. You've got to have this one. It's a home game, first of all. And second of all, it's to stay in first place. The more pressure you put on the Seahawks, look, somebody's going to beat that team. They don't have the defense this year. Somebody's going to beat them. You just have to hang around. And I can't believe we're talking about playoffs, first of all. I'm, I'm so excited, man. It's, it's so <laughs> fun to talk about playoffs. But the, to add to that stat earlier, where, where uh, about four and out teams, three of those teams have gone on to win the Super Bowl. So in three out of the last 10 years, a four and out team has gone on to win the Super Bowl. Wow. So, so it's important, it's imperative that they win this game because honestly speaking, I don't know if the Rams are going to lose 3-0 and uh, or 3 in a row. I don't know if they're going to, when the Niners go down to LA, I don't know if the Rams are going to be pissed off or downtrodden. I don't know what team you're going to see, but man, it's really hard for me to see them losing three in a row. So you have to have this game. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this is only the second time ever in the Sean McVay era that the Rams have lost two in a row. So mm-hmm. But then, like you said, if the, let's just say if the 49ers get the win, they'd be 4-0, right? Mm-hmm. Then they, there's their stretch of their schedule. The Rams at Washington, Carolina at Arizona. Even mm-hmm. if you want to say they lose to the Rams, I think they're beating all those other teams. That would mean they would be 7-1 and one in Week 10 <laughs> playing Seattle at home. Like There's an opportunity for the Niners to really put some distance between them and the other teams, not just in the West, but in the NFC in general. If you could steal this win in Cle- uh, against Cleveland, even if they lose to the Rams, there's still an opportunity for them to be 7-1 and one in Week 10 against Seattle. Who wouldn't sign for that right now? Yeah, I, I before the season, there was no way that I thought that the playoff window would have opened up this year. And lo and behold, here we are, right? Three, there's a big difference between 3-0 and 4-0, though, right? There's a yes. big difference between that. So. I want to make that distinction before we before we go forward with our predictions. But that being said, the the keys to this game, the way that I think the Niners are going to win this game, are getting the run established early. You, I don't care if it's with Breda, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman's looks like looks like he's healthy again, so he may play. I don't care who it's with. I think that should they should have all four active for the game, just because you don't know with health and Coleman and and Jeff Wilson's been really good around the goal line. I, I think that they they should and probably will keep all four active for this game. You need to establish that run. You need to neutralize Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon. These are two of the better defensive ends. It seems like we say this every week. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt last week. Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon this week. 
Then you got Aaron Donald next week. You're, you're not getting any break with any defensive lineman here. So you need to make sure that you establish the run to tire these guys out. When the run is established, the play action opens up, right? And that's where Jimmy excels. He excels in play action. He excels in moving the pocket a little bit. He excels at finding guys open in short spaces. So what you're going to probably see is you're going to see a lot of running in the beginning. You're not going to see a lot of scoring, I don't think, unless there's some sort of turnover that I just can force. But you're going to see methodical drives where they can take time off the clock and shorten this game. That's what you do. When you're injured, when you're hurt, you shorten the game and try to try to tilt the scales in your favor. On defense, what they've got to do is they have to be able to force Baker Mayfield to throw the ball when he's not ready. Whether it's he's he's had five passes batted this year. So your defensive lineman, get your hands up, get him up early. He's not going to be holding on to the ball long, very, very long at the beginning. He's going to be getting it out really quick. So I know that they're not going to play press man at the beginning because that opens up a big play on a double move. But what they have to do is keep everything in front of them. If look, if it's death by a thousand paper cuts at the beginning of the game, I don't care about that, right? because they're not going to win the game in the first quarter. But if you give up a big play and that puts you down seven, nothing right off the bat, like third, fourth play of the game, that's, that's really demoralizing, right? You can't let that happen. So I think they'll have a lot of guys uh, playing zone, playing deep. A lot of passes are going to be caught in front of them, which is fine. And what they're going to have to do is force Baker Mayfield into a turnover and force him to hold the ball. We know that Nick Chubb is a really, really talented running back. He put up huge numbers last week. However, the Niners defense excels at stopping the run, right? Specifically, when you put Solomon Thomas in beside Buckner, they're really good on the inside. They're really stout. So what they're going to do is they're basically going to try to load up the box. They're going to try to dare them to throw and dare them Baker Mayfield to beat them. And I think that's the way that you win this game because he will throw your team the ball. You just have to catch it. Do you think, going back to the offense, because you mentioned Tevin Coleman, Kyle Shanahan clearly loves him. Are you at all worried that maybe Kyle's going to get a little too, I don't want to say, about a little too enamored with Tevin Coleman? Like, Brita has been running the ball great. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that they've had running the ball have been fantastic. I don't want to see him get too enamored with Tevin Coleman, putting him out in the field, a guy that hasn't played, that's been banged up. Don't, you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Do you think that could be a concern? I think uh, it did cross my mind and because Kyle likes his guys from Atlanta when he had successor and why wouldn't he, right? That's where he had the most success in his career. So he brought those guys, some of those guys over, but Tevin Coleman is a really talented running back, right? We have to remember that he's not some practice squad guy that was on the street that nobody wanted, right? Tevin Coleman has been in this league. He's been effective in this league and has been a good player. So it's not like if they defer to him and they're deferring to somebody who's inferior, I do I am kind of wary of the the rust uh, factor there with Tevin Coleman. He hasn't played in a few weeks, but I think they'll probably ease him back into the lineup because their running game is working right now. I think that Mostert will get less carries, and Mostert wasn't getting too many carries as as it was because of his fumbling, fumbling problems. But what they're going to do is basically take more carries away from Mostert and give Tevin Coleman those carries, right? Burita still gets the, the lion's share. Wilson gets around the goal line, and Tevin Coleman is kind of like the supplement in between. Because what he does really well is he's he's a really good receiver out of the backfield. And that's one knock on Brita that he had coming out of college is that he his hands weren't the greatest. And we saw that last the last time they played against Pittsburgh. But really, Tevin Coleman fits in this offense in a specific way. And I don't think that Kyle Shanahan's going to disturb that. I think he's going to try to fit him right back where he was and try to keep that running back rotation going. And that's the benefit of having rotation is that you don't rely. It's not just like, oh, you haven't played in four weeks and you're going to be the starter now. No, it's like they're sharing that load. So I'm mildly concerned about it. I will be obviously more concerned if he messes up. But at this point, I think that that really they have something that's working. And like you said, if it's, if it's not broken, they're not going to they're not going to try to fix it. I, I yeah, you're right. That's a good point about Coleman. It's not like he's a you know he's not a scrub. He's a really good player, and ho- hopefully he fulfills the vision that Kyle Shanahan has. But I, you know, I, I'm I'm nervous. You know, look, we're three and zero. Life is good right now. I, I'm a like you talked about the primetime games. Everyone's going to judge the 49ers off this game. Like God help Jimmy Garoppolo if he throws an interception on the first possession. People oh, are going to lose their minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's done that twice this year. <laughs> yes, I know, and and I you know I don't want to. I don't want that to happen. Obviously, I want people to see the the 49ers team that I see. The, the yeah. team that is incredible defensively and the team that consistently moves the ball down the field, even if they don't always put it in the end zone. That's who I think this team is. So that's who I hope we see on Monday night. 
That's right. Sorry, he didn't throw the the interception. He's he's done that once. The second one I was thinking about was the the pick six uh, in Tampa, but that was not on the first possession. But it's just Monday night. It's just something something that's different. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's off. They're all recovering from Sunday, all those games, and literally like all eyes are on you. So it's it's. I'm more curious now, like how they respond, right? When they get put in these situations, like last week, I was curious. I was like, how are they, how are they going to do when they know they're in first place now? How are they going to do when they know that the buy is coming up and they came out and they almost lost? So I'm hoping that Kajian, who's lost both of his games, but by the way, coming out of the buy, bucks that trend and is able to win, win a game coming out of the buy. And I think that, I think that they will. And I think that this sets up perfectly, right? Perfect segue into our, uh, game predictions, um, just like they do it in, uh, in in the in the show in showbiz, right? Like that's how you guys do it. Just a perfect segue, like seamless transition, right? Like at this point, you would have like a I don't know if we were on TV, like a star wipe or something like that. Right? <laughs> a star wipe, yes. I've been pushing for that on the show for years. I would love to see a star wipe on your show just once, dude. I would love to see that. <laughs> I'll work on it for just for you. If you see it, know that it's for you. I appreciate that. That's that's like a like you know like the, they do like the Wakanda salute. I'll do I'll give you the salute, right? I'll give you the Forty Nineers Web Zone salute. <laughs> All right. So since this is your first show, we did the same thing with Levin um, in week one as well. But since this is your first show, the first of many um, with us, and uh, uh, super thrilled again to have you here, man. It's it's super cool to to be doing this because I, I watched the show and I was talking to you off air about uh, I was talking to stats off air guys, um, talking to fans now like about how I was fanboying over uh, PFT live and how I watched the show. I'm like, man, your, your show is effing fantastic. Right. So it's so cool to like, have you doing this with, uh, with us and to be talking to you like this. It's, it's, it's really cool. Oh, um, you're, you're too kind. But thank you. <laughs> that being said, um, we like to do predictions at the, near the end of every show um, during the season. So what's your prediction for Monday night football? I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think that the 49ers are going to be able to move the ball against Cleveland. And the most encouraging thing for me, the 49ers strength on defense, which is the pass rush matches up perfectly with the Browns weakness on offense, which is the offensive line. It's one of their only issues, one of their only units on offense where they really don't have star talented players. I think that's going to be enough to get the Niners over the hump. They're going to be able to score. I'm going to take San Francisco 31, 24 over the Browns. There you go. Nice. I, a, a high scoring game. I'm not really sold on the Browns defense either. One thing we didn't touch on is that both their corners are injured. Both Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward, they're both, they're both hurt. They both have matching hamstring injuries. Uh, talk about doing things as a team, right? But they, they were out for the last game and they hurt themselves in the previous, uh, the previous Thursday's practice before that last game. So they have hamstring strains and if they're hurt, you better believe that the Niners are going to be attacking that and at some point in the game. And especially with George Kittle, like I just don't see who can cover him. Like Jabril Peppers was there at one point and he could have covered him, but he's not there anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's nobody that can really cover George Kittle for them. I think that George Kittle will be left inside to block a little bit to help as well. But like you said, those tight end screens, those quick hitting passes to Kittle, those chunk sort of gains that they that they can get off of those that they'll be relying heavily on that and eventually when the corners start to creep up and the linebackers start to creep up you can hit them over the top right so i think it's going to be a chess match because these teams don't play each other very often right obviously like it's been what the last time they played each other was johnny menzel won, won the game in, in cleveland i don't know if you remember that oh i remember thank you <laughs> yeah, that's great that's a great memory for to bring up that was the last time the Niners played the Browns was they went to Cleveland. Blaine Gabbert was the quarterback <sighs> in the Jim Tom Sula era, and they ended up losing to the Browns. And uh, that was Baker Mayfield. I think he only had four or five wins in his career. That was one of them. But sorry, Baker Mayfield. That was Johnny Manziel, uh, four or five wins uh, in his career. That was one of them. So that being said, they don't have a lot of familiarity. And I think that the, the beginning part of these games, when you play specifically the AFC, is kind of a feeling out period. Like let's kind of keep it conservative, close to the vest and see what happens and let things open up in front of us. So I don't think there'll be a lot of scoring to begin with. I think it'll be field goals and maybe a touchdown here or there in the first half. And, uh, it, and towards the, the end of the second half, it'll kind of open up a little bit more. And, and I'm going to go with the Niners too. Uh, the line got, just got moved to minus four for the 49ers. It just got moved from three wow. and a half. So people are putting money on the Niners. That's a pretty significant move, right? It went from three 
to three and a half now to four. So there's a lot of money coming in on the Niners late before the game. So clearly people are confident in the Niners and, and I'm with them. Like I, I think that the win and cover, I sound like a, like a gambling expert. Don't I? I'm not a gambling man, but I sound like an expert. Don't I? Right. But um, I think the Niners win. I think they'll win by a touchdown. I think it's going to be 27, 21. And uh, the defense will hold uh, until late and, and Baker Mayfield may throw a garbage touchdown in the end to, to make it closer. But I'm going to go with the Niners 27, 21. They go to four and oh, they maintain their lead on Seattle by a half game. And we're doing it. Hopefully a doing a victory podcast next week too. Right. Do you think the Niners will get love from the national media if they do manage to win on Monday night? Uh, you tell me you're part of the national media, right? You're going to give us love? What are you, you going to do, man? Well, look, I've been pushing for it for a long time. And Chris Sims is very close friends with Kyle Shanahan. He has Kyle Shanahan's initials tattooed on his body. Are you serious? Yes. And Kyle has Chris's initials tattooed on his body. Um, oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. What part of the body? Can you? Wait, I can don't you know. I'm afraid to ask. Oh so my I God. <laughs> I think it's the calf. I think it's the lower leg if I had to pinpoint it. But, you know, I've been pushing for it. No one wants to – they kind of write me off because they know I love the 49ers so much. But I think they will start to see a little bit of love, although I think you might see more hate for the Browns than credit for the 49ers if they do win. Right, right. And that's, that's, that's fine. I tweeted out earlier this week that the Niners are better when they play with a chip on their shoulder. Like, I don't know if you've noticed Richard Sherman, how he's kind of transformed into the Richard Sherman of old, where he's talking a little bit more smack. He's responding to people on Twitter, like the national media – He's talking about the lack of respect and how the Niners uh, deserve more and how they're, they're better than people think. And I think that that's when he's at his best. And that's when the Niners are at their best. When people write them off, when people say that they're not a good team, when they're kind of flying under the radar and the expectations aren't there, that's when you can really sneak up on some people. And, and I think that's what they're, they're going to continue to do until they beat somebody who's like, like a Seattle, for example, or the Rams or both of those teams, right? Until they do that, I don't think anybody's going to take them seriously, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know what? The wins still count, so we'll exactly. keep sleeping, and we'll keep taking the wins. All right, that's there. You go. You you heard it here first. The Niners are going to fly under the radar, and they're going to keep kicking butt and taking names, right, and taking W's. That's what they're going to do. So, Stats man, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Hit me up anytime. I, I'm I always say I'm on Twitter for the arguments. So. Feel free to bring it. And of course, PFT Live is on NBCSN 7 to 9 every day. There you go. And I can't believe the, the Chris Sims and, and Shanahan story. That's that's hilarious. I mean, because they're teammates, obviously, at Texas, but that's that's so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're, they love it. They're Thunder Buddies for life, man. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So thank you so much for, for joining us today, man. And I'm really looking forward to more shows with you. Miss Levin today, but he will be back with us next week. So for Rob Guerrera, this is Zaynak V with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast sponsored by the QBSneak.com. And don't forget, four accurate predictions on every NFL matchup and thought-provoking NFL content that can help your fantasy teams or confidence pools head for, head for the QBSneak.com.